Hi, and welcome to the Itanium Solutions Alliance Innovation Contest podcast series. I'm your host, Brad Redderson of Stranova.com, and throughout this series, we'll be talking with winners of the contest who demonstrated the most innovative uses of Itanium-based computing in each of three areas, humanitarian impact, enterprise business applications, and entrepreneurial innovation. The winners were selected from many submissions representing diverse applications of mission-critical and high-performance computing from around the world. As computing has evolved during the last decade, while supercomputing power has indeed become even more prevalent and available than ever before, high-performance desktop systems and the software that run on them has also grown even more important as well. And in specialized scientific fields such as advanced cancer research, tools such as MATLAB from the MathWorks, Python, and other specialized applications are now used by many researchers in place of traditional programming language modeling approaches throughout the world. When the problems grow even more complex than a desktop can handle, the logical move for many of these researchers is to move these applications from high-end desktop systems to a supercomputer, both to increase the raw speed of processing the code, as well as to allow parallel calculation of related subroutines. The problem is, many of the desktop code software packages won't run on parallel high-performance computing, or HPC, systems, and yet the need is still there for the advanced teams doing this research. Now, enter Interactive Supercomputing, a true entrepreneurial venture offering a unique software package called StarP. StarP consists of two parts, a desktop client, which interfaces to the software tools there, and a StarP server client, which communicates with the StarP desktop client and manages appropriate resources of the HPC system, processors and memory, and also executes whatever parallelism strategies may be needed to allow the desktop code to effectively run on the server. There are many applications of this, of course, but part of the story you're about to hear is how the StarP solution, combined with the latest of Itanium 2 powered supercomputing technology, has enabled the National Cancer Institute, or NCI, to better understand how genetics and cancer are linked. Thanks to Interactive Supercomputing's creative innovation and combined with the NCI's matrix analysis research correlating chromosome information from cancer patients with risk factors and the genetic profiles of tumors, researchers have been able to achieve an over 200 times speed up of genomic profiling without the need for significant software reprogramming. For that, Interactive Supercomputing was named a finalist in the 2007 Itanium Solutions Alliance Innovation Awards in the Humanitarian Impact category. To tell us more, we're very pleased to have Bill Blake, the CEO of Interactive Supercomputing, here with us today. Bill, thanks for joining us. Uh, Glad to be here, Brad. Well, congratulations on your being named a finalist in the 2007 Itanium Solutions Alliance Innovations Awards in the Humanitarian Impact category. No, thank you. We're really honored to be selected for this category. We feel very good about this award and the recognition of this work. Well, before we get into some of the exciting applications of your work, and in part part of the reason for that recognition, I'd like to start with some of the basics behind what your company, Interactive Supercomputing, and your STAR-P Interactive Parallel Computing Platform are all about. What was the unmet need in the computational area that your company was working to address, and what types of applications did you expect it to support? The unmet need that we're trying to address is sort of evolved from the fact that the desktop world with a high degree of interactivity of computing and an ease of 
expression of languages, very high level languages, grew up very differently than the server world, which has enormous resources, large amounts of memory, but typically requires a, a very complicated form of programming or parallel programming to get performance out of applications. So the target for us is to bridge that world, to fill a gap between the moving codes that scientists, analysts, engineers are working on on the desktop and make it easy for them to speed up those codes and work on bigger problem size on servers. And to do that, we've evolved this rather interesting approach to parallel programming where we install a component of our system called StarP on the desktop. In fact, it transparently sits on the desktop and the end user, the, the, the the scientist, analyst, or engineer tends not to notice dramatically that there's a thin client of Star P sitting on their desktop, but that piece is communicating back to a comparable version of Star P that's installed on a large parallel machine, like a, a large titanium multiprocessor would be very typical. In fact, many of our installations involve the uh, SGI Altex using the titanium. And the, the goal here is to work the large titanium server or cluster in the back room in a way that doesn't require the original algorithm or the original very high-level code to be broken down and, and, and sort of reprogrammed into discrete message passing or other parallel forms of programming construct. It's unusual that a company would approach a performance problem, meaning speeding up serial codes, and at the same time try to address significantly the productivity of doing this. I think it's a, almost a bottom line sort of statement of what we're trying to do is that we're trying to take codes that are running on the desktop, and typically in very high-level languages like MATLAB or Python, and speed them up by 100 times or more. And in a tenth of the time, it would normally take, in terms of calendar time, to recode all of this with message passing software and MPI libraries and all of that sort of thing. So StarP is meeting a need to scale up. And by survey, we've gone out with a number of different analysts and looked at the 4 million or so technical desktops. These are all scientists, engineers, analysts. And that roughly 10% of those 4 million are straining. They're compute bound at their desktops. The problems they're working on are growing in size, where they simply need more memory, more I.O., more compute to work on the problem. You know, as, as you are well aware in technical computing, a lot of the work is modeling and simulation. And the more memory and more processing that can be brought to bear, you get a higher fidelity result. And everybody is looking for more realistic, higher fidelity results in their simulations. And the only way the desktop is going to deliver that is if it's connected in a very effective way with the speed up possible from parallel machines back in the computer room. That's the problem that we're addressing, that we're bringing a productivity solution to. The approach evolved over the past seven years in research at MIT with uh, Professor Alan Edelman, who was a co-founder of uh, Interactive Supercomputing, and we've, since 2005, heavily involved with companies like XGI, have brought this as a general availability product. And the notion is take the high-level code, the very high-level code, again, Python or MATLAB are good examples, which are very close to the mathematics that the scientific or engineering programmer is thinking about and only add enough, in effect, syntax to help identify what data needs to be distributed across many machines in the server room or what function that's being processed. Well, in many cases, it's a matrix function. What function can be parallelized? And that's all we want them to do. We don't want them to add any more than the absolute minimal notation to say, here's what needs to be run in parallel or what needs to be distributed in parallel of its data. And that's it. Star P does the rest of the job.
taking that then a step further, as an example of the leading edge work you've made possible using your solution, I know your team has provided the StarP software on a specific supercomputing hardware system to support a major effort at the National Cancer Institute where they've been working on finding ways to rapidly correlate how genetics and cancers are linked to help anticipate risk factors and potential treatment options. Even while we're learning more about the genomic cancer correlation, the vast amount of data being gathered and the necessary laborious sifting through of the data has been a major barrier to date for you and others working to support customers like this. Can you tell our listeners something about the nature and scope of these analytical and data mining issues and how your solution helped the National Cancer Institute deal with this challenging computational problem? I'd be glad to brag because it's frankly a quite exciting application of the technology. More than the need for additional processes to speed up and process code in parallel is the need to do a better and better job on a large data set. Because a lot of these analysis challenges have to do with data intensive problems as much as just the numerically intensive. And the problem with the desktop is you have a finite amount of memory and to stay within that desktop application means you have to chunk, break up your application and your data and process bits of data at a time. It serializes the whole data access problem and significant processing time. So in this case, a group that, that is currently led by Dr. Jack Collins out at NCI Frederick took their desktop work and maybe the simplest explanation of the problem that they were trying to address was to take a large data set from microarray chips in this, this sort of genomic analysis, and those 40,000 data points needed to be point by point correlated with an existing database. And in a workstation, that would mean bringing in a piece of the, the data, process it, bring in a piece of data, process it, and it was taking them, in effect, days to do this with just one initial fresh data set. And with StarP, and it only takes you know, a few hours to install StarP, it's a product that comes on a single CD-ROM. We installed it on the workstation and on an Altic server, an Itanium server that was available there at the site, and they were able to work through with StarP to simplify the algorithm so that the data can be all brought into the Altic server memory at the same time and then process it in a much faster rate. I believe the end result was getting down to around 15 minutes, so this was potentially on the order of a 200x speed up because of the ability to do all of the data at once and all of the data points at once. And I can't overemphasize the fact that when you go from a multi-day situation to a matter of 15 or 20 minutes, you're making the tool truly interactive. That instead of starting a project and then going on to your next task and waiting for the results to come back, you can stay right there and look at the data, look at the conclusions, and then kick off the next analysis. So it, the interactivity here is a really big deal. Well, it reminds me of the old days when you had punch paper card stock that you would submit and put your job in and come back two days later to find out about it. And it was such a dramatic thing when you actually got to see it happen more or less real time. This is even more dramatic, of course. Well, what was the final hardware configuration you selected that made some of this possible for your customer base? There were actually multiple systems available at NCI. One was an eight processor machine, a smaller one, and then there was a 32 processor Itanium system with about 256 gigabytes of RAM. So there were multiple, multiple systems there. But I must mention that both of these systems and all available systems there, memory size is really crucial here. And part of the Itanium server advantage was the ability to support as much memory as possible that frankly is way away from the world of workstations. Big memory helps a lot on large data analysis. 
Well, that actually points to one of the things I was going to ask in the next question, which was what is it about the Itanium 2 processor itself that actually really helps pull all of this off? Part of it sounds like the large-scale memory addressability of the processor itself. Is there more that you can talk about? Well, we don't want to underestimate the memory size because, as you know, the Itanium has a 50-bit physical address capability, so you can put an enormous, almost unlimited amount of memory. And that's heavily crucial in the scientific world, even more crucial in some of the largest defense applications that need a huge global address space. But beyond that, beyond memory space, it's performance. You need the large cache size and the ability to manage the whole memory hierarchy and achieve high data rates. But I think the other part of Itanium that isn't always at the top of the list from a people thinking about it, but that's crucial from a system point of view, is that it's truly a chip that's designed to support a higher level of reliability, availability, serviceability. It's an enterprise-class chip, and there are features in Itanium to make it more reliable and resilient that are not built into lower-cost chips that are built for, say, small PCs and workstations. So it truly is an enterprise server chip. And when you're doing large-scale computations, and particularly computations that will strain the available even server infrastructure, you don't want intermittent operation or sort of any kind of surprises from an execution point of view. And that's what the enterprise quality of Itanium delivers. Well, as you went about implementing your solution, were there some tricks of the trade that you learned or perhaps were already masters at that helped optimize the solution? Fortunately, we're relatively straightforward. Because we're not requiring significant rewriting or restructuring of the algorithm or program flow, that speeds things up. The typical scenario that we saw there at MCI and, and other customer sites is that you spend some time, it's important to spend some time going over tutorials and helping the scientists and engineers get a sense of what SCARP can't do and, and how it would speed up their codes. And after those tutorials, it takes a week or two of doing some small amount of restructuring because clearly you're going in initially with codes that may be heavily serialized in terms of data access. And now that they can access and process data in parallel, there's some adjustments in the code. But we're certainly not taking the typical path of not only remaining somewhat serialized and breaking things into small pieces and then farming them out with radically reprogrammed approach. And I think if you think about message passing approaches to parallelism, the application developer needs to do explicit message passing to move data onto many processes and then, in effect, coordinate the computation on that piece of data that they moved, go back, collect that, bring it back, add it together, and all of a sudden you're talking about instead of a 100-line program, you may have a 1,000-line program. We're nowhere near there. We're just adding a star P next to a matrix dimension or we're putting on a parallel evaluation notion to overload some function. We're definitely not doing the dramatic level of extra code complexity of traditional parallel programming. In traditional scale-up or scale-out activities with going from serial codes to parallel codes, the original scientist or engineer or analyst doesn't do the reprogramming. It gets handed off to a different person or a small team, and then you know months go by, and then the result comes back, and it needs to be tested at full size. And it's a very, very long and almost looping type process. What we're trying to do is just cut that out of the scene and say the original algorithm developer, the original scientist, can make a few notations that let Starp do the job and find out within hopefully the same day or within a few days what needs to be done at scale to further enhance the computation. So that collapsing down the overall time frame from original desktop code to implementation and test at, at full server size, getting that loop to be days or weeks instead of months and years is a big part of the payback.
not that we don't like parallel programmers, but there are too few of them in the world, and we're trying to enable the scientists with the idea, with the math, to get results fast without involving different departments and different people and resources, frankly, that smaller organizations just don't have. I have a question in two parts. One part of the question here has to do with how you see what the impact of your solution could be on the problem that the National Cancer Institute is facing. And then I'd also like to hear a little bit more broadly on where you think some of the most powerful implications of your solution are in the marketplace in general. Be glad to. In fact, it brings back a number of exciting memories. Back in the Alpha server organization at Digital, I led the team that worked with Craig Venter and his group at Slur Genomics and the group at Sanger Center, the group at MIT Whitehead. So we were head-to-head -head in that race back a number of years ago. It's interesting to think about, well, what would have happened if Star P was on the scene you know, five or ten years ago when that race was going on to close on the, the assembly and sequencing of the human genome? And quite frankly, it's hard to overestimate what a one-tenth of the talented time approach to getting something to run at scale would really mean. Bioinformatics is a memory and data intensive problem. There are physics-based computing problems that are sort of tied up in terms of the amount of numeric processing that needs to go on to calculate points on mesh points, the equation solutions. But bioinformatics is search, is pattern matching, is pattern correlation, data correlation, and large amounts of memory are probably more effective to speeding those algorithms up than just adding more processors. And that's where the big memory titanium servers are extremely capable. But the impact from Star P is make it easy for a scientist or engineer at a desktop to access a global address space where the memory of many, many servers is brought together and presented as one memory space for that developed on the desktop to use. And that could be many terabytes of physical memory. So again, think about the, what we were talking about earlier about the original place that the National Cancer Institute researchers were working on. They had to chunk up their problem and work a little bit on it in the workstation and then go on to the next chunk and the next chunk. Once they could plug into the SGLTIC servers with all of the data in memory at once, they saw a huge speed up. Well, that theme will only continue to become more important as the search spaces, the amounts of data, the correlation of many forms of data is processed in the future. And making that easy is just so important. I know many of our listeners will be interested in learning more about your solution and your company because the audience, after all, for this is very much those that are looking at similar problems in their own environment. Could you let us know your website and or perhaps an email address where they could reach you to learn more? I'd be glad to. We're at www.interactivesupercomputing.com, all one word, interactive supercomputing. And my direct mail is bblake, one word, at interactivesupercomputing.com. Well, Bill, thank you very much for your time with us today. I appreciate it and look forward to sharing your story with people out there in the podcast and Internet community. No, we thank you for the opportunity. This has been fun to talk to you about. Thanks for your help. Thanks again for joining us for today's interview. If you'd like more information on the podcast you just heard, as well as others in this series, please visit us at www.itaniumsolutionsalliance.org.